Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here. I've got Heather Shoemaker on the phone. How are you doing, Heather? I'm doing great. And, and How are you? I'm wonderful. And, and via the power of technology, we've got a guest with us today. I'm here. <laughs> Will you, uh, I'm here. Will you please introduce yourself a moment? I'll let everybody yes. know um, where you're coming from. I am Tanya Collins, and I'm coming from uh, Dundas, which is very close to Hamilton, Ontario, in Canada. Ah, oh, the Canada. I love the Canada. <laughs> and so what are we talking about today? Well, I put a call out to see if people who had found some inspiration from It's Okay Not to Share um, and these Renegade Rules books um, were willing to share some of their story and and how they've been implementing some of these sort of topsy-turvy ideas into their own programs and what a difference it's made and maybe how people who have just encountered the books and are feeling a little leery about really doing this in real life with real children um, could could um, hear how other people have approached it and, and made some changes in their programs and and um, learn from the trenches. So that's why um, Tanya piped right up and said, I'd, I'd like to do that. So we're excited. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your program and also um, how you first encountered the It's Okay books? Yes. Um, well, our program is called um, Learning in the Woods, and we're an outdoor recreational program um, we're a little bit similar to a forest school in that uh, we're out in the forest and nature connection is really important to us. But um, we, we also really value self-directed um, learning and play for children and respectful relationships with children. Our program is, um, it serves a lot of different um, ages. It serves, um, we have mom and tot programs. We have uh, children ages 4 to 12 uh, coming and spending either an afternoon or a full day with us or sometimes a, you know, a full um, camp in the summer. And we serve school children, homeschool children, and preschool children. I think that covers everybody. <laughs> and, and we, I found, I think I found the It's Okay books before, uh, the first one before I started working at Learning in the Woods. Um, I had a phase where that was my, that was sort of my hobby, reading parenting books. So oh I found gosh, it when I was, <laughs> I know I've, 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 it's not such a big preoccupation with me now, although I'm still really interested in child development um, and, and some related ideas, but that was my idea of a good time at one point. I would just go to the bookstore and look at, you know, parenting books. And, and I think, I think that I, it's possible I heard um, I heard you Heather maybe on CBC or something, but it's po- I think I probably just saw the title and was really curious about that and um, and picked it up and took it home. So I've been implementing a lot of the it's okay renegade rules at home with my son um, for a long time, and then um, the learning in the woods ones 
uh, they sort of, the different rules have sort of um, become useful at different times or have applied to us at different times. And even now, just going back and rereading, especially the first book, I'm, um, strategies are jumping out at me that I have never applied before that I, I'm going to, I'm going to try out. So that's been sort of helpful to go back and, and look at the book again. Yes. Well, so I'm intrigued by the fact that you had a hobby of reading parenting books for a while <laughs> because that, um, I think a lot of people go through that phase. I never did. In fact, the only time I really read parenting books was when I was trying to figure out how to write mine because right, I had right. picked up one or two to navigate the infant days and found that I never had time to read, and they were they, all the information was buried that I was so desperate to know, and so I wanted to write one that would be easy to navigate, and so that's when I started to look at them. But when you were reading so many parenting books, what was jumping out at you? I mean, was were you were some of them boring? Were some of them? Um, uh, did you find nuggets of wisdom in all of them? I'm just curious what your ex, your experience was with that hobby. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I just found I didn't. I don't remember reading any that were completely a mismatch for me. I've, I found um, certain ones spoke more to whatever the challenges were that I was encountering, um, specifically with my son because he's, he's quite anxious. Um, so, and then some of them, yeah, some of them had more useful and applicable. Um, Strategies, like for example, your book. I re- I recommend those books to people because they have um, the, like helpful, you know, phrases to avoid and phrases to um, and phrases to try out, phrases to use. So, gosh, there's so many. Um, I think I never really came across any that were were totally useful, but some of them had nuggets of wisdom that I could take and hold on to, and some of them I, I would return to over and over again. Some of them um, I I broke up with them and and sent them on their way you know, to other places. But um, I know, I just, I guess my, my friends say that I'm very, um, uh, like, I always want to take lessons. I always want to, you know, I don't just do something. I always have to, um, you know, look at a, a bunch of books about it and a bunch of instructions or sign up for a class. Um, I don't do that as much anymore with certain things because I, sometimes I actually, it's not the case with parenting or with children, but sometimes I think I do enjoy learning about something and more than I actually enjoy doing it. Um, yes, so, perpetual yeah. student, yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, what were some of the first it's okay um, ideas or rules that, that were really startling to you that sort of shook up how you might have been thinking of them before? Were there any that jumped out like that for you? Yes, there were definitely some that were um, that I sort of, I was converted to um, definitely um, the rules around um, children's playthings. Um, Cause I was, before I had my son, I was sure that I would not ever buy toy guns and, um, or Barbies, but that has never been an interest of my son. So I thought, you know, I'm not going to have toy guns and I'm not going to have Barbies. And, um, I didn't like, I never liked rough housing. I never really experienced it as a child. And I was very, um, sort of cautious, uh, child. And even before I had my own son and I would play with my friend's children. And if they tried to initiate rough housing with me, I would say, Oh no, I don't, I don't rough house. And, uh, so, but I know my son started being really interested in, um, 
swords and uh, pretending to be a pirate and pretending to shoot guns even before he, like, he was, I was so, you know, he had such a controlled world as far as, far as media went. Um, I was so surprised that he was interested in pretending things were guns. But now I realize that it's just something that's it's in our culture. It's wiring. Yeah, yeah. It's just, um, so, so those were probably, for me, play themes, um, rough housing. Um, I'm trying to think what other ones. Maybe some of them, those are the hardest, or the, the, the biggest leaps for me. And then there's other smaller ones where I was sort of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do about this? Like swear words inside the house and trying certain words on, things like that, where I was uncomfortable, but it, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that big of a leap for me to... To, right. Some of them make your brain hurt, and some of them, yeah. Just, oh, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Then, no, I'm just wondering. I'm um, in your program. Um, what sort of? I mean, it sounds like your program is so wonderful already. Out, out, outside, and getting kids in nature. But what sort of social and emotional learning that you picked up from the book um, made a, an impact and changed the program? Um, ah, uh, well, a lot. I would say, um, definitely, um, kids need conflict. Um, it's funny because when we, f- we first start, I think Erin was ahead of me on this. She was, she was really thinking about these things a lot more. She's my employer. Um, and, you know, a lot of these, um, different areas, like, uh, areas around safety, and um, putting safety second and um, kids meeting conflict. And a lot of them are sort of spelled out in our employee handbook. But when we, um, as facilitators, started working in the program, um, we weren't really sure. We weren't really sure. Um, a lot of things surprised us. And we, weren't, we didn't really know how we were going to handle these things. Although, you know, we, we took a course in nonviolent communication uh, a little bit into the program, but we were all, I think it's fair to say a lot of us were learning sort of, uh, as we went. So for example, around conflict, when the program first started, I would say things like, well, this is also, um, around sharing, but you know, I would say, okay, well, why don't you try using this for this long and you try using that for that long. Um, and so a lot of these things we, we sort of, um, developed the skills as we were going and, we would all have sort of different com- um, areas of discomfort. So, you know, one, one facilitator might be really uncomfortable if a child was um, taking a really long turn. Um, things that make me uncomfortable are more like uh, if a child's joining us and they take out uh, a, uh, an iPhone or an iPad. Um, so we all sort of had our areas of discomfort and then um, we would have meetings or we would check in with one another and we would, um, try to help each other uh, get in, get practiced in these new habits. Of, and you know, almost help. trying to, to create a group philosophy so that, I mean, I think it's what you brought up about all the adults were having different areas of discomfort. You know, some people don't like the rough play. Some people have trouble when child is, has a toy too long. But we all have those reactions differently of our right, right. areas of discomfort. And I think it, what's 
what's essential when you're working in a program is to make sure that there's that central unifying philosophy of something that everybody's going to do, and that's how that program works. Even though we acknowledge, yeah, this is hard for me, or it's particularly hard for so-and-so in this area, but this is what right. we can do as a group and, and create that that um, group identity. Right. Yes, it's very true. And, uh, um, oh, my goodness, I just forgot what I was going to say. But... Um, it's very helpful sometimes um, when when one of us is more comfortable with something and the other person is feeling really, really uncomfortable, sometimes we just have a practice of saying, hey, Tonya, would you mind, you know, my, my co-facilitator might say, would you mind um, supporting these kids? They're stick fighting right here and I'm going to go, you know, go over here and do something else. So we're not, we're not perfect and, um, and we all, you know, we, we do goof up sometimes. Like, for example, I've caught myself saying, um, oh, we don't say that down here, or, you know, that's not helpful. And my thing, I, I get uh, a little bit reactive when children are in a conflict, and, and if they start yelling at each other, and they're yelling a lot, you did that, no, you did it, you did And I just, I've found myself getting a little bit um, discombobulated, and then later on, I might say to a child, uh, it's, it's, we're all so much learning as we go. Like I'm, I've said to one child, I've said, um, I'm sorry that I was getting so agitated before. And then I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm actually not sorry I was getting agitated. I'm just I'm sorry that I was getting kind of stern. I was just feeling a little bit upset about, I just was feeling a little bit upset when I heard everyone yelling. So since we're really into um, acknowledging our, female, our feelings and modeling that for the kids, that's really helpful. So it's another sort of central thing that we all do as facilitators is that we um, – we all try to take note of, of what we're reacting to and what our feeling is and what our need is in that moment and whether our need is actually related to what's happening or, or something else, right? Like, so for me, you know, if a child um, comes down and takes out his um, iPad, he's taking pictures or something, and I usually feel, and I feel uncomfortable, I would check in with myself and say, well, okay, what am I needing right now? I really want all the children to be connected to nature, but it's more of a worry because nobody's connection is really being, you know, interfered with by what this child is doing right now. It's more of a, a worry. Like we're supposed to be a nature connection program, which is really not exclusively what we're supposed to be, but that's, that's my mindset that I came originally with. Um, where there's other times where say we're having our circle where we all check in with each other and a child takes out uh, a phone and, and it's inhibiting um, our ability to listen to each other. So in that case, I would, I would make a request. So we sort of all agree as facilitators to do our best to to pay attention to what's going on inside of us and to and to check in with each other and to put, you know, to be thinking about um, be trusting in the children's needs, right? Usually there's some sort of a need um, that is beneath their behavior um, and we, or a want, and we, we're trying to help them. Um, sometimes, I mean, sometimes we don't have to help them at all to meet that need. We just have to let them run around and play. Other times we might have to help them, you know, uh, rephrase what it is they're wanting. So for example, right now in spring with so many, um, creatures that the children are coming upon snails and salamanders and things, there's a lot of conflict around some children really wanting to protect the creatures 
and other children really wanting to handle them, and then other children wanting to protect the children because they think that other children might get hurt. Say, like, we saw a really large centipede yesterday, so the children can start making demands of each other. Okay, stand back, or um, let me hold him, or no, I'm going to put him over here, and we have to try to figure, okay, you want to protect this creature, but you're wanting to protect your friends, and so, so yeah, it's a lot of um, being attentive and um, figuring out right. and when and how to support them. Such as, what are you worried about, or what's going to happen? Yes, yes. What, you, what right. do you think is going to happen? Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, kids often are very protective of you know they don't want to get hurt, they don't want to see other people get hurt, um, and sometimes their own interaction with the centipede or whatever it is can be diminished um, if they're too busy being the worried parent. And sometimes just getting them to, um, uh, they can relax if, if the adult will say something like, um, oh, I see you're worried that, that Jane might, might get hurt by that centipede. I know the centipede's fine, and I will, it's my job to take care of the kids. I know we'll be, you know, yes, yes. basically you can relax. Don't put your worry hat on. It's my job to yes. make sure everybody's safe. And then maybe they can take their worry hat off and um, start interacting on their own terms. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's conflict everywhere, whether it's over salamanders <laughs> or pine cones or, or yeah. toys in a toy box. So it's um, the the social relationships and the emotions that kids bring to it all will happen um, no matter where we put them. Um, yes. Yeah. So conflict is something that you're learning to, to welcome more. And what did you do in the past when conflicts came up? Um... I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> That's a good sign. It was yeah. actually, to be honest, it was one of the hardest parts of my book was to think of the phrases of um, what not to say because I, I I had to go around listening in on other people's parenting <laughs> to remember what the things are that because I, I didn't usually say those things so I couldn't even right remember. right I wanted to put down examples but I had to go collect them sort of surreptitiously. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember a time in our program where, um, I think, I think we started off pretty well with conflict, but we've, we've, I think we've gotten better at it. At, um, well, and and I think we've definitely, yeah, yeah, we we've improved with, with. We were never particularly like. We always knew that all the feelings were welcome. But I think we've become better at, um, but we would still sometimes um, maybe jump in with a, you know, a distraction or a, I think we're just getting a lot more comfortable with, with big, the children and and their big feelings. Um, For example, and then, and, and we see it happen all the time where um, a child comes up against a limit and, um, there's, a, you know, sometimes it's, it's not that sometimes it's not, maybe it's quiet. Like a child just needs to go sit by himself. Um, and another time it's like really loud and goes on for a really long time. And I was thinking about that recently and how, um, how waiting, well, sometimes they just still need to be sad. So helping them move on, but, you know, sometimes it might take a while. You're sitting with a child and they're feeling really sad. 
um, maybe because some other children don't want to play with them, and you're saying, well, would you like to play with, with, with this child and that child? I see they're playing a game, a superhero game that you like, but the child's not ready, right? And they're still, you know, crying really loudly. And, 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 and then all of a sudden they just say, I want to go up to the tire swing. And then you go up to the tire swing with them, and they swing, and they're, and, uh, and all, so we've become more comfortable and less sort of like we're looking at each other and like, oh, what should I do? Um, in that sort of a situation. Hey, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear the rest of the conversation. Thanks for listening. We dig you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.